0: Gather in the lamp, an Aston Villa podcast. He slipped it through. Wesley! Yeah. the ball.
1: Yeah. That is a gigantic goal from a man who was made in the whole game and he delivers in London when it really matters for Aston oh, Villa. Brilliant. Oh, brilliant. Absolutely brilliant. Lawrence helps it on to Tyrone Rings and caught call-
0: Hello and welcome back to the Gather Rain the Lamp podcast by underagastlitlamp.com. We're back for our second season of the podcast. We've obviously done 50 or so episodes of the podcast so far, but we've decided, you know, we covered uh, the, the half of the season of the promotion season and the full season last season, so we've decided it's a new, time for a new season of the podcast, as it were. As always... I'm Regan, you can find me on Twitter at FindFoy, and I'm joined by Mark.
1: What's going on, everybody? Glad to be back on the podcast. You can find me on Twitter at VillamarkPGH. We're going to run through some stuff today. Nothing, nothing too crazy. I know a lot of people are hearing the same old stuff out there in, in Villa Twitter and on social media, so we're going to get into some some other kind of stuff that's going on with the Villa. It won't be too, too long of a podcast. just wanted to check in and see how everybody's doing. Regan, how are you feeling about the uh, transfer window so far?
0: Uh, it's been awfully, awfully quiet and a lot of the links and, and names that are thrown about are just recycled over and over again. You know, we're in a kind of new era of Aston Villa where really the signings aren't going to be kind of nailed on until they're very close to being done or until John Percy from the Telegraph kind of comes in at the back post and and heads one in with, with uh, an announcement. But you know, it, it's weird. We've we've been linked with a lot of players over and over again, especially in the local press. But nothing as of yet has come to fruition. It's obviously a case of biding our time and trying to maybe whittle down the, the the prices of players and things like that. But it's it's just been a little bit boring so far for me.
1: Yeah, I think that's where I'm at too. It's a little bit boring, and like I understand it, man. There's a lot of people that are just really excitable, and I understand it's a, it's an exciting time, and you know, but you know, as far as getting things off the rails and going crazy every time someone likes this former player that they were teammates with pictures and all this kind of stuff, all this pageantry and all this, you know, nonsense. I just, I don't know. I, I I'm i waiting for, to hear from the club at this point. Yeah. There's going to be links that seem a little bit more plausible than others. And me and you obviously write about that with the rest of our team here at, at uh but I just I don't know I've, I'm not I'm not getting too worked up over over some of the some of the links we're hearing on a day to day basis anymore.
0: Yeah. Um, before we do get in, into the podcast, I just want to have a, a little public service announcement. If you respond to uh, players that were linked to Instagram posts or Twitter posts with um, sign for Villa and, and and things like that. Please do stop. It it's it reflects badly on the rest of us as fans.
1: Yeah, I completely agree with that, man. I, I see it on a day to day basis that someone's tagging this player, and the weirdest one I saw this this past week when people were tagging Ollie Watkins' girlfriend on Twitter and saying, "Tell your man to come to the villa." Like, come on, we gotta gotta show a little bit more intellect and a little bit more class than that as a as a fan base. So, yeah, if you're giving players a hard time or asking for players to come in, you're tagging their their personal accounts or even their family or loved ones' personal accounts. Cut it out. You're not that funny. Promise you. (laughs)
0: Um, Before we do get into the uh, nitty-gritty of um, Aston Villa transfer news and links, we just want to give a little heartfelt thanks to anyone that uh, ordered and has now received their uh, volume two of the Under Agassin' Lamp magazine. It was a real pleasure to see folks from all over the world post pictures on on Twitter, um, Facebook of the magazine, and, you know, due to the, the interest in the past two magazines, we're, we're going to do another volume for the end of the newly approaching season. So if you feel that like you've missed out, be sure to order yours whenever we release dates for a pre-order purchase. And eventually, at some point, um, probably once Volume 3 is announced, Volume 2 will be available for a digital order.
1: Yeah, I was just gonna say I'm super excited about about the prospect of doing another magazine. It's it's great that you know me and you and a couple other people that that help us with the magazine have decided to do a new one but man i'm like a little kid when i see people like post the pictures and tag villa lamp on twitter or, you know tag me and stuff like oh i finally came today i'm so excited to read it and this and that like i don't know it just it lifts, lift my day a little bit to just be like oh man i was you know a part of something that that someone's really excited to read or things like that so yeah if you if you purchase one of the magazines any, any kind of support we appreciate you we see you we know that you know we're spread out across the world and you know any any kind of you know criticism or praises that you have don't hesitate to reach out to us in one way or the other we, we'd love to hear
0: stuff like that absolutely so avoiding some of the the never-ending transfers that Villa have been linked with just just for a little while longer uh training the training camp started today for, for the villains um obviously this podcast won't come out today so it'll probably be a, a couple of days later. Um, But, you know, Aston Villa's Twitter accounts shared the likes of El Mohamedy, El Ghazi, Grealish, Courtney Hawes, doing various exercises as they return from their holidays and prepare for the new season. One player that was a little surprising to see snapped was James Bree. The right-backs returning from his loan spell with Luton Town, which saw the side narrowly escape relegation. But James Bree hadn't... Necessarily, not not too bad of a season, you know. He had he played an important side for uh, for Luton. Um, do you necessarily think that Brie could have a part to play this season within the senior team? You know, he turns 23 in December. Um, you know, there's claims for more fullback depth that have been spoken about. Could or could or would you be comfortable with? Gilbert, Elmo and Bree is the options at Rock Fullback? I think
1: it's a question that has to be asked and I, I, I think it's going to vary, you know, depending on, on who you actually ask the question to, but I don't know, like we, we paid money to bring James Bree to Aston Villa, you know, and I, I don't know. Does, is, does Dino want to give him a chance there? I mean, I, I agree with people that say we need probably depth on in the fullback positions, but as right, as far as right fullback, I don't know if, if Gilbert can stay healthy, almost spe- spells him out when he can, you start James Bree and maybe some of the earlier cup competitions. I, I don't know. I don't, I, it really comes down to the coaching staff for me. I'd like to see it solidified a little bit more. Um, It's no knock on James Bree, but he he didn't have like some kind of astounding season at at Luton town. Like we we've seen like the, they for large swathes of the season they were a very poor side um, again narrowly escaping relegation but I, I don't know do you think James Bree has a future at Aston Villa or do you think that maybe he gets loaned back to Lutontown or maybe they just purchase him outright I mean how, how are your feelings on him because it, it, when we first signed him me, I remember me and you both talked about the fact that this this
0: might be one for the future is the future now with him turning 23 years old you know he's still young He's he's proven himself at a championship level at least I would think um, he's never really been given the chance to flourish at Aston Villa, um, and he would certainly be be a good option as a depth option. Uh, at twenty three, I would think you know this has to be his season to break through. Um, you know that's saying if he stays at the club, I, I do think that Luton Town could come in with an offer for him. Um, but at the same time, you know at, at twenty three it's kind of a make-or-break season for James Bree, I feel.
1: Yeah, I think so too. And I I, I think you're going to see that with maybe some of the uh, youth prospects that, that come through. I mean, we've seen, even seen it like with Vasilev. And Vasilev's obviously younger. But, I mean, does, does he get time at Aston Villa this season or does he get loaned out? I mean, my, my Americanist tells me that, no, Vasilev should stay around the squad. But, I mean, it's probably more it's probably more obvious that he does get loaned out. And I, I can see Bree being loaned out again. But I, I don't know. Like, if they're trying to save a buck and they, they might think that Bree's able to, you know, step in when needed, you know, he, he'd be able to do that. But I, I'm just not so sure, man. I, I think with, with when we bought him for the price that we bought him, I would think that he may, may have started a couple more games or at least already been like a squad
0: option by the time he's about to turn 23. It's just my opinion, though. Yeah. In, in regards to Vasilev, I would probably say it depends on his contract. He signed a new one this season, didn't he, as far as I'm aware? Yeah, I think he signed, what was it, just
1: a one-year just to get him through so he didn't become a free agent with the whole COVID nonsense going on?
0: Um, I don't know whether he signed a one-year or, or longer. If he signed a one-year, I would say he's probably staying around um, for the next season. But if it was longer, I would say he's probably going to be loaned out.
1: Yeah, and I I can see that for his for his own development sake of being loaned out if it is a two-year. I can't remember it either, Regan. I feel like one of us wrote about this too, and I can't remember. Um... I don't know for me, just again, like it's, it's hard for me to, you know, being an American, being so into Aston Villa, having American on the squad. That's, that's such a big thing for me. I, I'll, I'm always going to be biased about him. I I try not to be on the podcast, especially so when I'm writing, but you know, I, I do want to see him do well. I just, I don't know if the direction that Aston Villa is going, if he's on par with that. So I, I wouldn't be too upset to see him loaned out, but I mean, again, I, I want to see him, you know, Play all the time, and I think in the current setup of Aston Villa, with what we're trying to do, and especially with who we're rumored to bring in, I don't, I don't
0: know if he has has a place, but we'll see. Time will tell. I think for me, you know, you you've got to be wary of loaning younger players out. Um, you just have to look at some of the, you know, the the prospects that we've. We've had loaned out this season, um, you know, and they've been released come the end of the season. You know, you've got Callum O'Hare, who was released and has subsequently joined Coventry. Um, You've got Andre Green, who uh, returned from Preston, no, Charlton, sorry, he was initially on loan at Preston, went then in January to Charlton and has now been released. And then, you know, you've got the likes of um, Jake Doyle-Hayes and other players like that who have also come back from their loans only to be released. And these are all players that have been touted with potentially being future Aston Villa starters. You know, especially Andre Green. Andre Green was always touted as the the follow-up to Jack Grealish almost. And he's never reached those heady heights that, that people have kind of tacked to him. Um, you know, it is a shame that Andre's career at Villa hasn't quite panned out, but he will always be remembered for that that Sheffield United goal. You know that 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 green commentary, it, it, absolutely sublime. It still gives me goosebumps. It's just a shame that we've not seen him develop into the player that he 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 should be. I know I've I know I've heard things about arthritis in his in his knees or toes or something like that. So that may. Cause him to kind of drop down a couple of levels.
1: Yeah, I I don't know, man. Like, I really thought uh, you just spoke about it with the difference of like uh, Jake, you know, Jake Doyle Hayes and Andre Green. We were just talking about is James Bree gonna, you know, get a break into the side or is he gonna be another one that we thought were gonna be, you know, pretty much, I mean, pretty much nailed on starters for Aston Villa. Like, it it wasn't even me or you or anybody else building these players up to be more than they were supposed to be. Like that was our U system. That's who we were looking at to be the next generation of stars, 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 but decent players coming in through the, through the system. Um, And you talked about the pressure that maybe Andre Green was the one after Jack Grealish to come in and really, you know, take his position and, you know, that, you know, an emergence of sorts from Andre Green. And maybe that had a little bit to do with why he, his, potential kind of stopped where it did maybe it was just you know a little bit too much pressure you know no one really knows that but I I can see that being the case you can see it in a a bunch of different sports of being like behind a a prominent player and you just for whatever reason you just never materialized to be you know the player that everybody wants you to be but I mean I don't know yeah the 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 Andre Green release it's it's kind of sad because I I liked Andre Green and I know that a lot of people thought he was really raw or just didn't have it at, at a certain level. I mean, when we were in the Championship, people said that he wasn't a Championship player. We are in the Premier League, people say he's not a Premier League player, but I don't know. I think Andre Green will land on his feet somewhere. I'm not going to say he's going to become some prolific footballer, but all the best to him. I, re- I really wish it would have shaken
0: out for him at Villa. And there's another one as well in the in the form of uh, Matias Sarkic. You know, he he was another one that was touted for great things had a great half a season on loan at livingston um, and then was recalled when tom heaton had his injury and he's been released and has joined wolves on a free and that's the second young player that has left villa and gone on to join a fellow premier league club in the last two seasons you know you've got mitch clark the left back that was released and he joined uh, Leicester's youth academy or under-23 side, rather. And now uh, Sarkic has gone to Wolves to, uh, I believe, replace the outgoing Will Norris, who's signed for Burnley. But that's something we have to avoid with the, the ongoing development of our academy now, is stockpiling players and not using them or not getting the best of their ability and just letting them leave to other clubs.
1: Yeah, and that's going to be something, especially with the, the youth that we're seeing now and, um, you know, with Mark Harrison le- heading up the development team. Um, you know, we, we can't keep doing this as a club to where we have players. And, you know, there there isn't really anything that says that these the players that have been released or we have seen go on the sign for other clubs. There, It's nothing to say that they weren't good. It's just there's something about our development process it, since, uh, I don't know, maybe even the learner era. where we we have to stop building up these players and you know having them in and having them since they're young and then all of a sudden you know four or five years goes by and then they're they're released and then they're picked up either a rival club or maybe even a club that's on the rise I'm I'm really hoping that's not the case with the new investment it seems like uh, Aston Villa is turning a corner now with these young players they want to sign and the, the players that are there that show a lot of promise they're offering them contracts to give them a little bit of you know I guess more stable footing, more steadier footing to know that they are thought about as being maybe a a future player for the Aston Villa men's squad. So I, I don't know, man. It's just one of those things where like, I look at some of the names that I used to write about some of the endless amounts of hours of scouting. I did on some of these players just for a season later,
0: a season and a half later, they're, they're, released it's just a, a crazy thing to think about Yeah and you you mentioned these like younger players signing for the academy and and signing contracts Obviously we've seen the likes of uh I think he came from Vitesse the Vitesse arnheim center back Sil Swinkels joining um and as well as that you know you've got the likes of highly rated youngsters like um Jaden Philogene Bidais and uh Carney Chukumeka that have signed new contracts at the club and these are highly rated, highly sought-after young players. You know, they've been linked with moves away to Chelsea, to Arsenal, and, and Villa have managed to keep them and it's about develop, developing in them, you know. has been been one of those players that I think personally said he has, he, he is the best sixteen-year-old in the country.
1: Yeah, make no mistake what's going on at Aston Villa right now with their youth. It's, it's definitely something to be really proud about and to be really hopeful about. And this isn't the same as having like a Matias Sarkic and a Jake Doyle Hayes. Like these are actual touted prospects that top, top clubs have courted and have tried to take them you know to to be able to develop them on their own um i i don't think aston villa is in the position anymore to have to be a selling club or have to give up youth prospects for for a nominal fee and then you start attaching bonuses for career appearances at the new club or anything like that um there there's actual legitimate reason to be excited with what's going on in the youth Academy. I know it's kind of a boring conversation. I know a lot of people don't really get into that too much. They're, they're just focused on the, the senior team and who's bringing in and who's on the, the, the depth charts of sorts, who fits in where, but, you know, I, I think that's also a testament to how far away we've gotten from bringing youngsters in the door uh, or bringing yo- youngsters through the system rather. So I, I think it's, it's a really, really positive time. It's definitely something to be excited about. Um, you know, it's there's, there's complete restructure all the way around now from what we've seen from previous ownership so yeah i'm, I'm excited about it man I, I i don't think they're done i don't think villa's done i think they're going to keep uh trying to uh court other youngsters and maybe even like you know younger than 16 17 years old just to start getting them in the door and getting creating a
0: culture within the the youngsters of aston villa and um, talking about getting youngsters through the door that's a wonderful segue to aston villa's first signing of the summer and that's come as sixteen-year-old uh, Ben Chrsane joins from Exeter City. Um, you know he's gone straight into the academy, and he's a player that has been linked with the likes of Bayern Munich, uh, Chelsea, Liverpool, to name a few, over the past couple of months. And you know Villa have beat these teams to his signature. He um, he broke Ethan Ampardu's. Uh, record for the youngest player to appear for Exeter City, and Exeter City have got somewhat of a strong um, academy. You know they've produced the likes of Chrisane, um Ampardu and also um, Ollie Watkins, who who is a summer transfer target for for Dean Smith and Aston Villa. So you know you think potentially ampodi has got a bright future at the top of the game, then, then Crusade should surely fun, uh, fall under the same bracket. Um, and, you, you know, he's not had the minutes really to develop at, at Exeter, but he should be able to develop under the new kind of restructured academy at Villa and alongside the likes of Philo Jean Bidais, Louis Barry, Sfinkels and other players that we will continue to bring in.
1: Yeah, just, just like we were saying, man, that this isn't just a random name they, they pulled out of a hat. You know, this is something where you where you look at it for a long time. And Chrisane's been at Exeter City, I think, since uh ten or eleven, eleven years old I wanna yeah. say. You know, so 11. yeah. So he he's been there a long time. You know, there, there's a culture thing to that, you know, so it's it's not easy for a player. When you're at a you know at a football academy basically for five years and you know you want to you know make your mark there and all of a sudden you have this big club and it's no disrespect to Exeter City but you know there there are levels to football and Aston Villa is definitely a higher level than Exeter City is right now in the modern game so if Aston Villa comes in for you of course you're gonna be really excited to make that switch but it can't be an easy thing. So I, you know, you're surrounding yourself around better players, you're competing with better players and training, you you have different personalities, you have to learn how to how to deal with for at such a young age as 16 years old. But again, it's another exciting young prospect that Astonville is bringing through the door from a place that is known to produce, you know, some pretty decent players. So I, I, I just think that it's it's, a, it's something that, yeah, there might not be a lot of transfer news going on with the senior team right now, that'll happen, we're, we're you know, we're getting there it's it's crazy for everybody trying to figure out how to do this it doesn't happen overnight it's not fifa it's not football manager but when you start signing 16 year olds that have actually you know been rated really really highly in the past and i mean he made his senior team debut at what 15 and some odd like nine months or something like that i was reading that's insane obviously he has some kind of ability and not saying he's going to start for aston villa senior team before anybody misquotes me on anything like that but again it's it's all about the future you know, new, new direction as far as how we're doing the youth team. It's 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 a beautiful time as far as the
0: youth setup at Villa. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's great to see that it's been recognised as something that does need to change. And like you said, he's not going to jump into the, the the first team. You know, probably anytime soon. But it's about developing these youngsters. And even if they don't make it through to the first team, it's about selling them on for a, a a profit i suppose you know we we don't know the fee that chrisaine was um was was signed for it was an undisclosed fee but you know you have to compare him to the likes of uh, jacob Badeau, who signed while we were in the championship um and he he signed for a fee of about a million pounds i think and then was released like two seasons later on a free i think he joined i think he joined scunthorpe um from from the top of my head and, you know, that's a waste of a million pounds. And to, to you know, a football club of, of Aston Villa's stature and size and, and wealth, you know, a million pounds isn't that much. But with, you know, the ongoing financial difficulties posed by COVID, as well as, um, you know, the fact that Villa very nearly, nearly ceased to exist a couple of seasons ago, you know, you have to be careful with dealings like this, where you're spending a high amount on such a young player and not seeing any return from it.
1: Yeah, you know, the the game's played on the pitch, but we all know by now that there's a lot more that goes into it than that. So, you know, we, we've heard Christian Perslow say it when he was appointed, that that's, that's kind of what the model is for Aston Villa. They want to buy players that maybe aren't quite in their prime just yet or even reaching the point of getting to their prime. It's just, you know, if they have a certain ability, they fall between a certain age, you sign that player you let that player develop and yeah maybe there are other clubs that are going to come in and and, t- and take those players for a fee but it has to be a profitable fee you can't keep just releasing players after buying money for them at, at, you know it's kind of a silly comparison but like you look at like the Scott Hogans the Ross McCormicks you know yeah those are proven goal scorers before we got them and everything But if you have a player who's supposed to be this big potential player and you're paying, you know, one to 1.5 to even $2 million for them, and then three seasons later they're out the door for nothing we can't be having that. That's not sustainable just on a basic business model. And it, it sounds like that's such an obvious thing to say, but a lot of people don't think about that in terms of football. Um, so yeah, I'm hoping that this new, you know, you set up that we have, if we're going to bring younger players in the door, you know, and that, that doesn't, it's not just the, the under 23s or the under 18s or the under 15s, like that goes with the senior team, you know, as well, like, you know, that, that's the whole thing. You try to bring in players that are a little bit more younger to build them up. I mean, I, it, it hurts to say, but I can see Ezri Kansa going for a considerable amount of money if he continues to progress in the way he does. Now, I don't want him to. I want him to stay a Villa player, develop here, be great here. But it wouldn't surprise me if that's a move three, four seasons down the line for a player like Kansa, who has a lot of potential, has a lot of ability um I don't think that they should move Konter right now or anything like that. I think he's a, he's a damn fine player. I think he definitely looks really really good coming after or coming off a of project restart. But that that's the kind of model that's the kind of game you have to play when you're a club, you know, where you're at right now with as far as stature in the modern game, you can't keep everybody all the time. You're going to have to turn a profit on players.
0: Yeah, I absolutely agree. Um Something that I do want to kind of make a note of as well is that the Exeter City's director of football came out and and basically um, thanked Aston Villa for the kind of uh, fairness and professionalism in in the the Crusaine deal. You know, we've we've seen the likes of, of young players. It happened to us with Dan Crowley, I believe, who went on to join for Arsenal, and we had a pittance in compensation. Um, and you know, it's the same with West Brom uh, losing Louis Barry to Barcelona. And it's good to see that we're handling things correctly, so that we don't have you know future lawsuits or or transfer bans like the likes of Chelsea did. Um, but it's nice to hear from you know another club that we're, we're acting in the correct manner
1: yeah you you want to have a good reputation for these kind of things because it it keeps the door open on being able to work with those clubs maybe in the future. Um, we know that staff moves a lot or moves a lot and you know hired and fired kind of thing, kind of like a revolving door. but it's good to have that kind of reputation, especially when you're a club the size of Aston Villa in, in the game, and the name still carries weight. I know we finished 17th last season, and people you know, like want to say the Villa's not a big club anymore, but the Aston Villa name definitely carries weight in, in the world of, of football to a certain extent.
0: Absolutely. Now, by now, you've all heard of the players that have been linked with Aston Villa on an almost day-to-day basis. Word's still circulating that Milo Rashica is going to be moving away from Werder Bremen one way or another, and the Ford has been left out of a friendly, uh, either today or tomorrow, for, for his side. You know, Rashica is... A name that is 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 consistently consistently linked with with Aston Villa over the last couple of transfer windows, you know. Do, do you see Rashidza coming, or do you think it's a load of Rashidza?
1: I think it's a load of Rashidza just based on the fact that it's been said multiple times the man wants to play Champions League football, and this isn't me being a negative Aston Villa supporter. We are galaxies away from Champions League football. It would be nice to have him. I know we've been linked with him for a long time. My jaw would hit the floor. and The teeth would roll out of my mouth if we actually landed Rashitsa. So no, I think I think it's a load of Rashica. It's good to think about. It. It's good to think that we're, you know, farther along the line of progress than we actually are. But for me, and it's not being negative, just trying to be a little bit realistic, do not
0: think he wears an Aston Villa kit anytime soon. No, you know, I think... Um... I think the stories that are coming out and a lot of the links are, are just agents and clubs trying to get the best deals for their player um, you know he wants Champions League football he's been linked with Leipzig I could probably see him going to Leipzig over us it's just Leipzig keep low ball in their offers so I think the the consistent links with us are literally just um, perhaps Bremen trying to to get a, a higher fee for the player from Leipzig obviously they're a, they're a Bundesliga rival um other than that you know there's there's the consistent drone of news saying that man united are still on the heels of trying to sign jack grealish um you know a lot of sources do say that villa will price united out of a move for him un- unless jack obviously truly wants to move you know i've i've heard things saying you know jack isn't going to kick up a fuss and he's not going to backstab the club if if that's the case you know um and he is happy to stay around if 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 the prices are met you know, do you think we, we we see Grealish leave this window, or or do you think he's staying for at least another season?
1: I think he stays for one more season. I think he I think he's as curious as the rest of us who the club's going to bring in. I think he's as curious as the rest of us how Aston Villa is actually going to finish. And maybe if Dean Smith is the man for the job to take this uh, club forward, I know that that might be a little shocking to hear, but it's something that needs to be considered. So yeah, I think we at least get one more year of Jack Grealish. I don't think he goes anywhere. Um, yeah, I, I know it's a, a, a hot thing to talk about and i know like i'm just i'm a little bored with it now like and i and i don't i think that we would we would know about it i think jack would have found ways to like let us know you know he wouldn't be uploading pictures talking about getting back to work on a plane back from greece you know where he's been working out at and then you hear the rumor today what did they say 80 million dollars in sergio romero did you you read that Uh, something like
0: that
1: yeah um yeah so like uh and elder statesman goalkeeper coming the other way. I mean, that's kind of like getting a lollipop after a bad haircut. You know what I mean? (laughs) Like, I just, I I don't understand why that would make, how, how does that sweeten the deal? Um, you know, it's, but like on, on a serious note, I think Jack gives us one more year and, if we can win a piece of silverware and he can get an England cap in that time, I mean, he, he might stay even past that. But, yeah, I'm just kind of bored with talking about it now, to be honest. What what about you? What do you
0: think? Uh, the one question I kind of want to ask you is, do you think he'll sign a new contract this, this this summer?
1: I would take the contract. I'm just curious if Jack or maybe even his agent would work in that $80 million release clause like if they would just work it back in like contractually you know i don't want to bore anybody talking about how you know the contracts work and what they can put in what they can what they would do i mean it's a lot of it by and large it's very hypothetical um but yeah i i don't i just get them signed you know just get get them signed up May, pay pay the man it's it's you know you talk about we hear all this all the time about we have bankrolled owners now you want to keep your best players and to be honest for his bankrolled as, as Wes eden's and the chief are paying him one hundred and twenty five k a week. Isn't the end of the world? They should be able to facilitate that. Yeah, I know FFP and all that kind of stuff. And then you talk about bonuses, performance bonuses, but just just pay the man. Give him give him a five year deal and and just and and be done with it. Just just as a show of good faith that hey, we'll take care of you. You keep take care taking care of us.
0: Yeah, it's it's obvious that that Jack wants to kind of prove himself on an international stage whether that's the the Champions League or any kind of European football as well as, you know, the national team he can achieve at least one of those next season with Aston Villa. So it's whether he's happy to, you know, like I said, he, he he it's whether he's happy to sit around and not, you know, kick up a fuss. And I don't think he he will kick up a fuss at all. He's definitely not going to stab the club in the back. So I do see him staying for at least another season, maybe further um Maybe further than that if, if you know, we, we improve significantly over the next season.
1: Yeah, and that's that's really what it comes down to. Who who are the players that, that come in. I mean, you can give all the verbal assurances you want in the world of hey Jack, stick around, we're gonna sign these players and we're gonna get people in the door that can they can maybe help you out a little bit or, you know, things like that. But like it's good to say those things, but now you gotta prove it. You know, I mean it's it's kinda <laughs> kinda the way the world works when you're an adult. So um yeah, I think if Philip if kind of find the right pieces to the puzzle in this transfer and something let's let's get crazy about it. let's get crazy hypothetical something absolutely nuts happened and we finished the top half of the table and we I don't know win when the FA Cup you know what i mean does that make Jack grealish want to stay probably that probably that, that would probably do it for him i'm not saying that's the only thing that that can hypothetically happen for him to stay, but you know you you don't know. That's why we're kind of all sitting on a razor's edge, waiting to see who who's going to come in as transfers, who's not. You know, I mean, we're we're what a couple days removed from seeing what the fixture list is going to look like, so that that's going to be a big deal too. You can kind of get a gauge to where the, the tough part is. So, like I said, don't 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 finish seventeenth. Don't leave it to the last day of the season, and I'll, I'll be mighty happy.
0: Absolutely. Another player that we've been linked with is uh, the prolific Celtic striker. Ro- Odson Edward. Now, you know we've seen in the past week uh, a former Celtic striker, in Moussa Dembélé, down Man City in the Champions League for for Lyon. So we've seen the kind of levels that these these strikers that are, are prolific in the, in the Scottish League can can reach. Um, but you know Celtic have quoted fees in the likes of thirty to forty million for Eduard and it seems a bit of an unlikely one. But it it is very clear that Villa do need to bring in at least one striking option to solidify the squad this season. If you had to pick one player, would it be Eduard for let's say forty million or Watkins for let's say twenty two?
1: I'm gonna say Watkins for twenty two because we've all heard about this uh, supposed one hundred million dollars that that is going to be spent, and you know that's the purse. That's how much we have to pick. Um, I much like the option of having the striker that yeah he may not have Premier League experience but you don't get Premier League experience until you play in the Premier League um, so I, I would take Ollie Watkins at 22 before Edouard
0: at, at 40 what about you what do you think I think 40 is is a massive punt you know you run the risk of signing another Joe Linton or another uh, Sebastian Haller it's likely that Edouard wouldn't be but it's it's such a major risk at 40 million you know that's that's a sizable chunk of the 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 budget really for um you know it's over a third of the budget for the, for the summer and it leaves us then if we want to make more signings to solidify the squad um with less to spend on other players which was an issue with the rebuild last summer
1: yeah and a lot of people when you talk about that 100 million dollar purse that we're supposedly going to be spending a lot of people are like oh well you're not factoring in transfer outs and i said okay minus jack grealish who are we getting a, a decent amount for? You know who's getting sold that it, it's going to make that a hundred million minus Jack Reillys, of course. If you take that a hundred million, you start selling off maybe some of the depth players, maybe some of the players that just look like it wasn't really their level. I mean, are, are you really talking any more than a hundred and ten, a hundred and fifteen million at that point? You know, and that, I think that's that's even being a little bit generous. Um, so yeah, I, I would, I, I don't think you're going to go for Eduardo 40 million. It doesn't, it doesn't make sense to me in a business standpoint when you're supposedly and That's, that's the big word these days. Supposedly, you know, we're only getting a hundred
0: mil to spend, to, you know, to start with. I think you'd struggle to hit 115 million with, um, The players that I could see leaving this summer. The only two players I could see leaving are are probably Henry Lansbury and uh, Scott Hogan, and I think you'd probably command a fee of around 5 million for the pair of them. So that, might, that puts our budget at $105 million.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's what I mean. And that's to even say that Henry Lansbury is going to want to go because, you know, the rumor on the street is that he got a substantial bump, a percentage bump up whenever uh, Villa got promoted in the Premier League. I mean, you got to f- figure it. That was one of our bigger signings at the time when we got Henry Lansbury. And so, you know, there's obviously something worked into that contract where he, he got a raise. I mean, if I was Henry Lansbury and I was basically, you know, coming on when I wanted to and, well, not when you wanted to, but not coming on often, not being called upon often. But again, he's a, he's a veteran. And, you know, from what I've heard, Henry Lansbury is really lively in training. He just has players in front of him probably, you know, are, are better at that point in their career. So, yeah, I don't, I don't think we're gonna, there's going to be like an exodus of cells that's going to pump up that 100 mil. So why would you spend, why would you spend £40 million on, on one player when, obviously, you, you want to talk about solidifying a squad for a new campaign?
0: Yeah, the, the one thing with Henry Lansbury that I'm happy to see is that he's grown, he's a uh, he's like man bun ponytail back and that's the Lansbury that we, we we saw at Nottingham Forest that obviously caused us to pay for him uh, whilst we were in the championship you know Lansbury was incredible at, at Forest for a long period of time he was their captain and, and obviously like I said it, it's, it's why we paid for him the form that he was in so if he could ever recapture some of that form that he, he had before he cut all his hair off then you know I'm happy to see him stick around for another season until his contract's up
1: yeah, I'd be delighted with it. I mean, we've seen we've seen him play in, in early cup competitions and whatnot, and you know, I mean, I don't I don't know how it's going to shake down this season with you know no tours or anything like that for preseason, but usually see him then. He, listen, he can still pass a ball. He, you know, he can he can still make that that really slick through ball. Um, through through a collection of players, and you know, happen to find his man. I just I just think there's other players in the team for where Villa are now. From when Henry Lansbury was signed, he's probably not going to get a lot of time on the pitch this season.
0: No, I completely agree. You know, he he did pop up a couple of times uh, last season. He scored the goal that was ruled out at Crystal Palace, and he he did very well in the in the Caribbean Cup. You know, picked up a number of assists, but. He's not really going to get much game time next season, really, is it? No,
1: nah, I, I can't see it happening for him. And then again, like I said, I don't know if he'd even want to be sold. I think he's. This is the last year of his contract, right? Yeah. I think this this season coming up is the last one. So yeah, maybe he'll just you know pack it in for the year. Or, you know, maybe they'll ask him to go on loan if we bring in another center mid. I don't know. It's it's a curious case with Henry Lansbury, man, because it seems like everybody likes him it doesn't seem like anyone like dislikes him in, inside of the squad. Everyone, you know, they have those little one-on-one, you know, couple of minute videos and it seems like he's always having a blast and like, he just keeps, keeps things a little loose. And sometimes, sometimes it's worth paying for a player like that.
0: I remember sitting in the whole tent um, on, on numerous occasions when we were in the championship. Um, before, before, I think it was before we signed Herohan. I can't remember whether we signed Herohan a while after Lansbury or not. But I remember for, for a distinct period of time, Lansbury was taking a lot of asset pieces and every single one hit the wall or just flew over the bar. And I remember just posting on Twitter every time saying, please stop Henry Lansbury taking asset pieces. Um, it's just a bit of a segue there. I just re- remembered it from, from the championship, how often I was like, please get someone else on these bloody free kicks.
1: I think I remember you tweeting about that, to be honest, or at least talking about his his free kick capability, you know, previously. But, yeah, I think I think it's just a case of, you know, thanks for your service, Henry Lansbury. But, you know, I don't know. I I honestly don't know in that case if they're going to they're going to loan him or I don't know. I think he he probably lets that contract run out and then tries to apply his trade elsewhere.
0: Yeah. Um, Other news. The new sporting director, Johan Lange, has joined after the departure of Suso. Obviously, this is the first podcast we've recorded since that appointment happened. Obviously, he has a wealth of knowledge of of Scandinavian football from his time at FC FC Copenhagen. What are you kind of looking for from Lange in the transfer market? Do you expect him to, to make a bold statement? Do you expect him to bring any Scandinavian players in, perhaps? You know, there are... Easy links to be made, you know. There was an easy link to Rasmus Falk. Some, made, I think, I think the guy said he was he was joking or was like thinking out loud on Twitter, but you know, it's an easy link to make with with Lange's former club, kind of hosting, not elite European footballers, but you know, a, a decent squad depth option, perhaps. Yeah, perhaps. I mean,
1: yeah, I know that journalist said he was joking or anything, but he actually like look at Rasmus Falk and maybe look at some of the areas of the pitch that Villa could improve on. Like that's that's not outside of the realm of possibility to me um, you know and then obviously with you know the new sporting director he he would obviously have a connection with that player I, I don't know if I'm looking for too too many Scandinavian options um, I think it's going to be one of those things where he looks for players just like we talked about with you know Perslow and the and the younger one the younger players in the uh, development squad I think it's going to be where you buy younger players that might have a little bit of promise to him and see what happens and then you know, build them up and maybe sell them for a profit. And it's, it's, it's totally different to use this model of what Villa are trying to do currently to the whole, oh, we're just a selling team. We're just a selling team. Like, no, there, there will be players that come through that we buy young and we'll do whatever we can to nail them down. But there's also going to be players that might have not just worked out. It, you know, maybe they, they want to move for one reason or another, get either closer to home or to get, get higher up in, you know, as far as their reputation. And, yeah, we'll, we'll sell them for a profit. You know that's that's the way it's that's the way the game's played. You know it's it's not just played on the pitch anymore. So I, that's what I'm looking for from the new sporting director. Do you think that you're going to get any kind of Scandinavian influence on on the pitch anytime soon?
0: Um, well, probably not not too soon, but we may see it. You know, moving forward with some of our younger players, um, outside of kind of transfers and players, and and you know the real meat of, of football. Uh, Villa have also, obviously, since our last podcast, released their home kit. Um, also added to their training range, mostly to great praise and appreciation. There's a lovely couple of uh, light blue numbers, uh, a couple of black numbers that look really great, uh, especially on the players. You know, obviously the players are, are the models, and a lot of fans, um, you know, perhaps don't have the physique. To uh, represent some of the, the, the pro kind of fit that the you training wear just provides. Say,
1: you can just say it. We've got lockdown weight. It's okay. No, I mean, I've put on offended. a lot
0: of weight during lockdown, so. <laughs>
1: you can say it. I'm, I'm in the same boat, brother. I, was, I, like, I, I fluctuate. I have like two good weeks of a diet, and then it's like, yeah, I can eat that whole box of Oreos. That's no big deal.
0: <laughs> you say that as I look to my right, and there's an empty packet of Oreos in my bin.
1: Womp, womp. womp.
0: <laughs> um, obviously The Awake It will follow soon. Um, I don't know when this podcast's coming out, but I, I believe it's gonna be the end of this week. Um more than likely. You know, the the new training gear on Twitter it's, it's had an overwhelming majority really like it. Um and a lot of stuff sold out fairly quickly, which is which is great for the club. You know, they're looking to recoup a lot of money that was lost during the uh, the fanless resumption of the league. Um, and it, it's a very stylish kind of training line, opposed to what Villa have had in in previously in previous years.
1: I really like it, man, and that, that's not me just saying it. I I really do like it. I think it looks really sleek. It looks really sharp. Um, yeah, I I like the the light blue color. A lot of people said it looked too Man City. I think it looks looks really nice. Um, you know, this is obviously easy for me to say just based on the fact that I got my home kit. Um, I'm waiting for the original training range that they put out. It's kind of a little bit more red than it is Claret. Um, and then obviously with the second drop of the, the training, I bought that too. And now I'm waiting for the away. So, I mean, Regan, I'll be, I'll be asking you to wire me over some money here
0: in another couple of weeks with the the rate I'm going Spending money on Villas though. <laughs> um, Obviously, you can visit our, uh, our Twitter. Um, we have an affiliate link that we, we post whenever there's new um, new training gear and, and kits released. And if you click that link, you can use our code UAGL10 for 10% off um, on training gear. I don't think it applies to uh, new kits, but that helps us continue as as a blog and a fan media outlet. Um other than that, the fixture list should be out this weekend. Uh, I believe it's actually tomorrow. Um, obviously, we don't know when this podcast is going out yet. So, as you listen to this, it's probably already out. You probably already know who we've got on the opening day and who we've got on the final day. Um, let's hope for an easy start and an easy finish because we didn't have the easiest of starts or easiest of finishes this year.
1: Yeah, I told you, man. I I know. Probably not a popular thing. I want Leeds United away at Ellen Road the first game. Get that out of the way before they start letting fans back in. It seems like the U.K. is way, way ahead of what's going on in the U.S. right now as far as COVID and maybe, you know, groups of people. So if that should happen, I don't, I don't want it to be where the fir- first game with everybody back in the stadium or even a percentage of the people back in the stadium at Ellen Road. Get that done with no no fans in the, in the, in the uh, stadium and get that out of the way.
0: See, I'd I'd like to avoid Leeds um or any of the newly promoted teams as an as an opening game because I think those kind of games can provide a little bit of a jam slip for for how um you know you start the season. So I think I'd probably like someone, you know, like Palace or, or Brighton to start up start it off. A nice average opening game for me, I think.
1: Yeah, I mean I don't know. Let's let's just not have like a rough run of of games. You know, I don't want to face like every other game is Man U, Liverpool, you know, Chelsea for like the opening. Like it, like a little bit more balance. I know it's supposed to be balanced and all that kind of stuff, but it it, it seems like it doesn't shake out that way with Villa more often than not. So yeah, if we can avoid a jam slip on that, it'd be
0: a good time. Absolutely, um, right. So I think that's the end of the podcast. Forty five minutes done. If you have enjoyed it, please. Do uh, feel free to leave comments, reviews on whatever platform you're listening on. You can follow us on social media. Uh, Twitter is at Villa Lamp, Instagram is at Under a Lamp, and Facebook is forward slash Under a Gaslit Lamp. Other than that, thanks for listening, and up the villa.
1: Up the villa.